Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. This week we are discussing The Tide That Left and Never Came Back, the 22nd episode of season two, which is written by the show's creator, directed by Thomas J. Wright, and originally aired on the WB on May 24th, 2005. And this is the first part of the two-part season two finale? I know, exciting stuff. Now, you actually watched the follow-up episode, right? I did. Okay, because it, I, I did not, because I just wanted to like be like, I only wanted to think about this episode, think about this one finite hour of television. And let me tell you, it was really hard. Like, <laughs> the last scene, when Peyton is crying, I'm like, I really wanted to keep going, and I had it on the DVDs, too, so it's not like there were credits. And I'm like, what would happen if I just kept going? I decided not to. I decided to have the willpower. But... I'm telling you, that was a difficult, difficult decision. I know. I don't know if I've ever watched it, like, stopping in between them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I ever have, so... This is my first time doing it as well, and it was it was definitely something. I love it. I love all of it. <laughs> I love both parts. They're so different. <laughs> but... Yeah, this yeah the first half has uh, a lot of flashbacks. And why does the show like flashbacks in its finales? I know. I was thinking the same thing, that the season one finale had those really weird flashbacks. This, these were a bit better, I I still think they were weird. <laughs> they made more sense, but it was weird why they included so many of them. Yeah, I I do not like it. I feel like uh, I feel like after watching this show, I'm starting to realize I don't really like flashbacks in my TV shows. So I I do like flashbacks actually. Really good for, good for you. I love that for you. When, <laughs> when they're done right. Yes. yes. Yeah, and I'm thinking season five of One Tree Hill in particular. They oh. do flashbacks very well without yes. spoiling anything. Those flashbacks are great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a little flashback sequence in season three that I love. Flashback sequence in season three. Well, we'll get there soon uh, enough, Jeremy. Yeah, we will, because we're getting to season three soon, because this is the finale. Anyway, (laughs) let's let's get to talking about this finale now. As a reminder, this podcast is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. school assignment of the year is to write an essay in response to a quote by George Bernard Shaw. There are two tragedies in life. One is to lose your heart's desire. The other is to gain it. Lucas asked Brooke to go on a road trip with him to visit Haley in New York so he could see her one last time before the school year ends. When Lucas and Brooke arrive, they find Haley and Chris playfully tickling each other. Later on, Haley tells Lucas that they were just kidding around and are not together. Haley admits to Lucas that she feels like she doesn't deserve to wear her wedding ring anymore. She writes her final school essay, tells Lucas that she's not coming home, and gives him the annulment papers to give to Nathan. On the way back home, Brooke tells Lucas that she's okay if he's into Peyton again. Lucas gives her a questioning look, and then the scene cuts away. In other news, Whitey suggests to Nathan that he goes to High Flyers this summer. But Dan tries to guilt Nathan into staying home with his family, since his mom is vulnerable right now. 
Andy has to go home to New Zealand in order to take care of his mother, but Dan tries to get Andy deported and make it difficult for him to get back to the States. Karen angrily approaches Dan and demands answers about why he would do this to Andy. Dan forcibly kisses Karen out of nowhere, oof, and Karen throws a chair through the office window, because he fucking deserved it, baby. I don't blame her. Andy also confronts Dan and tells him that he knows about the ledger and warns that he owns the security company that's used at the dealership. Dan becomes upset and breaks his office window to threaten Andy. Later on, as Andy spies on him, Dan sees that his ledger is still in his safe, but it seems like Andy has a plan. Andy asks Karen to go with him to New Zealand, but she says no. She tells Andy that she loves him, and he says he loves her too, but it just doesn't seem like enough. Meanwhile, Peyton coordinates a special Jimmy Eat World concert at Trick. Peyton also visits Jake in jail and finds out that the lawyers found evidence of Nikki lying under oath. So now Jake will be able to get out of jail and get sole custody of Jenny until there is another hearing. Jake's relief doesn't last long, though. Nikki shows up at jail to see him and somehow has Jenny with her. She takes off and threatens to keep Jenny from him. Jake goes to see Peyton and tells her that he needs to go find Jenny, but she can't come with him. They tearfully say goodbye and Jake leaves town. Not being able to breathe because of Chris Keller's ego while simultaneously wanting to have sex with him because I'm a complicated human. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. I love it. I can't even get out of my intro because I just love yours. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Did you have the same one? No. It's just so funny. (laughs) Okay. I was about to say, if you had those exact words, that's very niche of you, and I'm proud, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) And writing my literary essay to Shaw's quote, I'm Caitlin Olenich. I have never heard an intro from both of us that was so specific to both of our brands. (laughs) It's just... It just shows our odd couple dynamic, and I am here for it. I feel like like that was not planned. I mean, obviously it was planned, but, you know, individually it was planned. So that was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And we'll talk about the Chris Keller and Brooke thing later, but (laughs) I just love it. Oh, but anyway, this episode is titled after the song, The Time That Left and Never Came Back, by The Veils. And what did you think of this song? So, I feel like it isn't really groundbreaking <laughs> compared to, like, the other songs that we've talked about in the past. Like, I don't feel like there's anything really that new. I think, once again, it's referring, we could interpret it as the Nathan and Haley romance and how Haley's left Nathan basically. Mm-hmm. And I think the song, like I was interpreting the tide as love leaving. And so in this case, Haley leaving Nathan behind. Um, and there's this repeating stanza, the tide that left and never came back is on my mind tonight. Cause it's a small town. It misses you, my love. And I think that kind of really represents what Nathan's feeling, like missing Haley. As I would say, the song's a little on the nose. That it is. 
like I, I definitely saw the parallel with Daily, but I also th- thought I saw it with uh, JN and Brucus, and also Candy, who is Karen and Andy, which is the ship name that we're trying to make mainstream here on Always and Forever. Yes. <laughs> but like all these, uh, all these sets of couples are dealing with the fact that like somebody is being left and somebody is leaving, and. You know, they're essentially missing their loved ones. It's it's very it's it's pretty simple, honestly. Yeah, like, it is. It is a <laughs> complex. Yeah. So we don't have to do like a whole like big in depth uh, analysis. Although the one line that really tripped me up, and I feel like this line's supposed to be saying something really deep, and I just don't really know because maybe I'm just not intelligent enough. I don't really know. But the line says, "If only you could stay and leave me behind." I know. I I read that line a few times, too, and I wasn't really sure what to think of it. If only you could stay and leave me behind. It's like almost the tables could be turned. If only you could stay and leave me behind. It's like the person left and their significant other stayed. And it's almost like if only we could have done the reverse of that. I don't really know what that's supposed to mean, but... That's, I think, what it's trying to say, maybe? If only you could stay and leave me behind. Like, if only... If only you could stay, like, here with me, but also leave me behind because you deserve something better in life. Just like... Like, for example, Jake needs to move on. He needs to find his daughter. Haley needs to, like, you know, pursue her music career. And he needs to be with his family. So... Maybe it's trying to say, like, you can hold those two truths at the same time, in which case, you know, you want your loved ones to go off and do their own thing, but you also want them to stay with you. I don't know, I could be reaching. Oh, I like that. I like that analysis. But if you have a better analysis of that, please let us know. Reach out to us on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook, and the email, alwaysothpod at gmail.com. Also on our Discord server, you know. There's a lot of places yeah. to contact us, and we just want you to talk to us. That is all I am saying. As you were listing them all, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, we have a lot, <laughs> a lot of different avenues of communication. There is, no, <laughs> there is no excuse for you not to talk to us, friends, okay? We just we just want to hear from you. I'm feeling very needy right now. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> maybe it's this episode. <laughs> this episode is so emotional. Oh my gosh. And sure. I love a good episode of TV where you feel so many different emotions. Like this episode has a lot of sadness. There's a little bit of hope there in some aspects, certain storylines. And I feel like um, all of the characters' interpretations of this quote they're about to get into, the Shaw quote. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was a little bit hopeful at the end. There's also some comedy <laughs> in this episode, too. <laughs> you know, like, Wait, it what just the com- has everything. What the comedic bits that stick out to you? Oh, the Brooke and Chris Keller stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Chris is being a, Chris is being a creep. <laughs> I, I mean, he's being a creep, but it is, it's good comedy. <laughs> yeah. 
I also feel like I want to fall, like, you know, if I was 17, how, even at 31, I'd probably still fall for it. I'd probably be like, oh, like, you know, you're just, you're just being, like, all forward, saying, like, sending a song about having sex with Chris Keller, whatever. <laughs> I'd probably fall for that, you know? I'm like, honestly, I'm like, you're just bold, and I just appreciate you. I mean, I think we can call out that it's problematic, but at the same time, it's funny, so. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, obviously, Brooke's not into it. It'd be a different story if, like, she was into it, of course. I'm just, I'm projecting myself onto Brooke here, okay? <laughs> but the two actors, they played off each other, and it was just amazing. Yeah, they have good chemistry together, for sure. Um, I, they play off of each other very well. Mm -hmm. I, I'd, I'd really like to see them, the two of them on screen more. Yeah. I wonder, we'll see. With yeah. Chris Keller, how long he's sticking around. Yeah, we shall say. But the crux of this episode is based around the their English final, where they have to write an essay about, like, their interpretation of this George Bernard Shaw quotes. The quote says, There are two tragedies in life. One is to lose your heart's desire. The other is to gain it. So I like how the episode was built around the quote, and how at the end we get to hear, like, bits of what we can assume is each character's essay or part of their essay. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like that. I think it like ties the episode together in a bow almost. It's like it brought everything full circle because like it started the episode and then by the end we get to hear their like their interpretation of it. Um, yeah. I don't know if I I don't really agree with this quote or at least half of it. <laughs> oh, why do you say that? <laughs> I don't understand the part. It says there are two tragedies in life. Yes, of course. Losing your heart's desire. Duh. But the other is to gain it. I don't really understand what that's trying to say. I feel like it really depends on like uh, life experiences. And, and, you know, and we see each character's interpretation of that, too. Because Mouth uh, talks about Erica. He says, like, hey, clearly George Bernard Shaw never kissed Erica Marsh. And th then we hear we hear Brooke saying like clearly Shaw had his heart break and broken once or twice, so and I feel like it just depends on like your like your own worldview because like look at Nathan Nathan did gain his heart's desire by I mean you can say in some way by marrying Haley finding the love of his life finding a home that was apart from like Dan and this toxic environment that he was in. But now he has his heart broken, and Haley wasn't necessarily the person that he thought she was at that moment. Yeah, so that, what you just said there, that was my best understanding of gaining your heart's desire and why that would be a tragedy. So basically, if you're gaining your heart's desire, and then it ends up not being what you thought it was, or you lose what you did originally gain... That's what makes it a tragedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could say that, or or it could just be a way of saying that your that your dreams change essentially, and your your life changes a little bit. Oh yeah, I like that too. Like I'm even I'm even trying to apply this to Peyton a little bit too because Peyton is Peyton is obviously very very devastated that Jake left, and it's you know it's so like so fucking hard for her right now, but. At the end of the episode, she sort of, 
I guess you could say she sort of finds her own self-worth. Even Jake says, like, you're meant for better than this. Like, she just realizes that her life is just in a different place right now. I don't know if I'm making any sense by saying this, but... <laughs> yeah, I... I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say, but... She gained Jake's love, basically. Uh-huh. Throughout the season. And once she had that, it was something to lose. Yeah. And she lost it. And it just, timing wasn't right. And there's a lot going on in Jake's life that he doesn't even have control over. Which, I mean, she's kind of, there's just so much going on with his his family, his daughter. And Peyton really can't take a part in that. You know what I mean? Like, the, just the timing is not right for the relationship, unfortunately. It's sad. Mm-hmm. It's extremely sad. And, oh my gosh, Hillary Burton and her crying the whole episode. Whew, that was yeah. emotional stuff. I feel like at the end there, Mouth and Peyton were saying similar things, like gaining your heart's desire is not a tragedy. Like it was the best thing that could have happened to them. Yeah. That's what I th- think they essentially said. So I would agree. I would agree with them. Yeah. Anyhow, how do you think this quote applies to your life, Caitlin? I know you're really looking forward to this. <laughs> I I mean, you can go first. <laughs> Why do I have to go first? <laughs> Why do I have to go first? You're the one who wanted to do this. I mean, I had one situation in my life in particular that like immediately comes to mind. Um, a few years ago, I had a dream job. And I thought, like, oh, this is, like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then maybe, like, a year or two into the job, I ended up getting a promotion. I ended up getting, like, at the top. And then I realized, you know what? This kind of sucks. I'm not happy here anymore. And I left behind that dream job. So in a way, like, I gained my heart's desire. But it was also kind of tragic because I realized that... um my heart's desire wasn't what I thought it would be. That's funny that you said that, because I was going to relate it to my uh, teaching career. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I mean, I wanted to be a teacher since I was five years old and became a teacher and just realized that it wasn't the career for me. So very similar to what you just said. It, And I, I knew I had to change gears. So like, yes, I gained gained my heart's desire but in the end it was kind of sad you know to realize it was sad to make that realization yeah because you it was excited in the moment though because you gained your heart's desire and you're like oh this is you know this is great uh but then eventually you realize like wait not exactly what i thought it would be yeah so i have the same example as you basically Mm -hmm. and i think that example works really well for the quote actually yeah because i mean now that we've talked about it i I guess i get the quote more um i think it's a little dramatic to say it's a tragedy to gain your heart's (laughs) desire like that that's the part that i just don't yeah i don't fully buy yeah yeah because uh i i was like reading like interpretations of it here and there um before we started recording and there was one person who was related to the facts like okay like you can gain your heart's desire by finding true love. And, like, that's great. You found your heart's desire. Uh, but it's also a tragedy because you also have to, like, 
work on your relationship and everything like that. So it's still going to be hard regardless whether you're in a relationship or whether you're not in a relationship. But like, I wouldn't say that's a tragedy. Like, I mean, I feel like if you love your, if you love your significant other enough, you would want to work on it. Yeah, that would be very dramatic to call that a tragedy. It, yeah. What would be what would make sense in that example is you gained your heart's desire, you were in a relationship with someone, and then you realized that it wasn't the right relationship for you anymore. Or you grew apart, or there was a, just a reason why you needed to break up. That is yeah. tragic. Because you maybe wanted it for a long time, and it felt right at the beginning, and then over time yeah. things changed. So I, I could see that being a tragedy. Because that's sad. You know, any relationship ending. Yeah. And that's in the context of a breakup, too. Like, you know, this person was writing about it, like, in the sense of, like, they, they become a couple and they stay together. And it's also tragic because you have to, like, work on the relationship. I'm like, why is that tragic? <laughs> that's a stretch. Yeah. I, I guess, unless you can say, like, you have this idealized fantasy that, like, you know what? You're going to end up with this person and your life is just going to be fine and dandy. And then you realize, like, wait a minute. Life isn't just easy when you find your special someone. You just, you, life is still hard and you still have to, like, work on things. So maybe that's a tragedy that, like, that fantasy that you put in your mind is gone. The idea of perfection and just, like, being soulmates and everything being perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that that discussion went (laughs) even deeper than I guess I thought it was going to (laughs) go. I like it, I like it. Okay, cool. I texted Caitlin about this earlier. (laughs) She was like, because a few weeks ago, I was like, why don't we try to apply this quote to our lives and see what we can come up with? And then she texted me today, she's like, do we really have to? And then... She said, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say either, Caitlin. (laughs) I'm glad that was your response because, (laughs) yeah. Hey, sometimes you just got to, like, get on the mic and just start talking and then things will come out. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's the best because overly preparing just does not always work. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. As I I and as Haley James Scott say, don't think, just play. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Let's get into this road trip. Yes, let's go see Haley in New York, which as something very hilarious that I noticed because I'm an eagle-eyed viewer. Um, you see a tour poster because you see like Nate, um, Lucas and Brooke are entering uh, th- the room where uh, Chris and Haley were. And you see the tour poster with all the tour dates and everything mm-hmm. like that. And I just want to know that the tour date for, for New York City was March 23rd. And this is the end of the school year. <laughs> oh my gosh. To, to be fair, though, um, I, I looked at all the dates. Like, they, they match up with the actual One Tree Hill tour. So they were that was kind of like an Easter egg. Oh, uh, okay. That makes sense. Because <laughs> so, I'm like, are we so, really going to get into the timeline of this again, no. Jeremy? <laughs> are we really? <laughs> no, but I just thought it was funny, though, because I'm like, why don't you just make a new tour poster? Like, you know, the one that actually lines up with the show. Because, uh, fun fact... On the show, the tour was several months, but in real life, the One Tree Hill tour was only one month. It ran from February 28th to March 31st, 2005. I wish we could have seen that. I know. I was saying that too, and like, I was looking at the venue for Philadelphia, it was played at the TLA Theater, and that is such an intimate venue. I've never been in it, I've never seen shows there. 
Oh, yeah, but, I don't know anything about that one. Yeah, but I've walked past it several times. That's a tiny little venue, and that just sounds so exciting to be able to, like, <laughs> go be up close to them. Well, I mean, we did have our moment. We did. We did do that with Tyler Hilton and Kate Vogel. Yeah. Who's Kate Vogel? You, you, you uh, listeners all know yet, unless you've watched One Tree Hill all the way through. I mean, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but that was really exciting, though. And I'd really like to, I'd really like for listeners, like, if you went to this original tour, please, like, send us your pictures, tell us your memories, because I really want to, I, I want to know all about it. Because Kayla and I were too young to have gone to this show. But not We didn't watch the show at the time. That's one piece of it. Yeah, yeah. But, also, too, like, I don't think our parents would have let us go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was 2005. Wow, we were young. Um, I would, I have not met anyone who's has ever gone to this concert. Yeah, neither have so, I. So, wow, if you have pictures, send them our way. That is super <laughs> cool. Yeah, because I'm really, really fucking jealous of you. <laughs> Can we go back in time, please? Yes, let's do it. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, but uh, just uh, just one little interesting thing of note, though, about the tour only actually being one month. Um, on a recent episode of Drama Queens, Bethany Joy Lenz was talking about how, like, this tour was their way of attempting to write her off of the show. And I did some digging into that. And I'm just saying it does add up. And I will share my thoughts on that in an episode of Royal Review. Oh, come on. Well, you, no, we, we, we gotta give it, we, we gotta give, uh, we gotta give the listener something to look forward to. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're gonna say either. <laughs> you don't know, no, but you will find out. It's, it, it's funny, it's, this is actually going to, we're recording Royal Review next week, and this episode right here isn't gonna air until after <laughs> that Royal Review, but you will hear it. It'll be Royal Review episode six. So, listeners, join our Patreon. Yes, please do. <laughs> and I'm like dying to like now record the royal review. <laughs> but yeah, I did some digging. I'm like, this story adds up. So I was like, I-, I have some tea. Not really some tea. I just, I did a lot of math essentially, and it does make sense. But yeah, Ooh. that's a separate space. We'll talk about that. I am intrigued. <laughs> Later on. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about this little road trip, the actual road trip now. <laughs> Uh, where do we want to begin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brooke and Lucas have a lot of have a lot of conversations in the car together, and it's very fucking bittersweet and sad. I know they're like the the camera goes back and forth, obviously between them, really like zones in on Brooke's face, and like you can just read so much into what she's feeling, and like she's hesitant to bring up stuff about Peyton, and. There's just so much unsaid. <laughs> and I feel like Lucas is, like, clueless to what's happening. Like, what Brooke's feeling and thinking. Yeah. Like, in the beginning, she asked him, like, have you been speaking to Peyton a lot? Then Lucas is like, yeah, I just wish I could be in her life more. And, of course, Brooke is overanalyzing that, thinking that it means something else. So, a lot of emotions are going between those two. And from the viewer's perspective, though... I think Lucas just honestly is saying that as, like, he he wants to be friends with Peyton again. Like, I think it's a really innocent thing. I don't think there's anything underlying, like, feelings that he has for Peyton. At least, at least in this moment, from what we know as viewers. But Brooke, like, in the context of, like, 
knowing what's happened in the pa- what happened in the past, I think Brooke is just kind of viewing it through that lens and all she hears is like he wants to be close with Peyton or be in her life again. Yeah. Which I don't I don't blame her for being insecure. I absolutely do not. Um, but she's definitely reading into it when she doesn't need to be. She's having some cognitive distortions. Oh, yeah, we talked about that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I just want Brooke to like really look within now because at the end of the day she needs to realize like Lucas did not ask Peyton to come on this road trip. He asked her. Uh that is a good point. Brooke obviously does mean something to him. But I also understand because, you know, uh Lucas once told Brooke that he did care about her. And then he went and cheated on her with Peyton. And so I like I I get it. She's hearing a lot of things and she's just like coming to her own conclusion. So I, I get it. I see both sides of it. But I want Brooke Davis to be in therapy. <laughs> I know, and I th- we've been building this whole season of Lucas and Brooke kind of finding their way back to each other again, mm-hmm. and clearly Brooke's feelings have gotten deeper as as time, you know, has progressed, and she's, like, kind of getting closer and closer to, like, opening her heart up to Lucas again, and I feel like the closer she gets to that, the more vulnerable she feels, and the more the past keeps creeping in, and the doubt. So, like we said, it makes a lot of sense, given the history. Mm-hmm. We see you, Brooke. But I feel bad. Like, those scenes where she's looking at Lucas in the car, like, you can just read the emotions on her face, and it's whew, really good acting. And then we see Brooke and Lucas arrive at the venue, and Haley and Chris are tickling each other on the couch. <laughs> so it's Which, like, obviously- super awkward. <laughs> Yeah, it's obviously a very innocent thing. I mean, some of them have been traveling together for the past few months. Like, of course, they're going to be they're going to be tight, have like a brother sister dynamic. Like, of course. But Lucas and, you know, maybe Brooke to some extent, uh, based on what they know about Chris, they they're starting to think like, oh, he's a bad guy. He needs to go away with his badness. (laughs) Where did that come from? It has been a long day today, okay? I am very loopy with some of my words, but I feel like this will be more entertaining for the listeners. It's all good. <laughs> Keep it interesting. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, we you can kind of tell that it's like an innocent, like, friend thing. But I, I also get Brooke and Lucas's perspective. Like, they're looking at each other like, what the heck is going on here? Yeah, for sure. And obviously, like, they care about Nathan... And they've, both of them have seen how Nathan's doing. So it's just kind of jarring to know, like, Nathan's emotional state and then, and the accident and all that stuff. But at the same time, like, Haley is just goofing off with Chris. Like, nothing, none of that's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Remember the moment when, uh, I forgot, Chris says something stupid, essentially. And then Haley's like, oh, shut up, Chris. She says it in a playful way. And then there's Lucas, who's like, yeah, shut up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> when was this? This was in the same scene. Like, after, like right after they, uh, they find uh, Haley and Chris tickling each other. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says something about, like, like, oh, they, uh, the, the, the birds came, like, the, fetch their squaw 
with Haley being the squall or whatever. And Haley's like, oh, shut up, Chris. <laughs> and Lucas is like, yeah, shut up, Chris. <laughs> it was like the pettiest set in the world, and I'm here for it. <laughs> well, I also, you know, it's it's kind of cute to see Lucas be protective of Nathan. And I feel like that's what that really shows. Like, he's upset that Haley is touring with Chris because... Yeah. You know, his brother is affected by it. Mm-hmm. Although, can we uh, can we talk a little bit about the scene where Lucas confronts Chris? In the hotel room? Yeah. So, he, like, he like confronts uh, Chris and says, like, you're messing with people's lives. How dare you? And, uh, and I'm like, why are you getting mad at Chris here? I'm like, if, if Haley definitely is, like, cheated with... I mean, you know, Haley and Nathan's relationship is still up in the air on whether or not they're together or not together. I don't, they are still married, yes. But are they together? Who knows? The relationship is very nuanced right now. But Lucas is like all about like blaming Chris. And I'm like, it, it wouldn't really be Chris's responsibility to make sure that Haley's faithful. It's Haley's responsibility. It's like one of those situations where like people always blame the the person who the who the cheater cheated with. The other person. But they never yeah. blame the actual cheater. It's like, what, what would Chris have to lose if he did have sex with Haley? <laughs> you know? Haley would be the one in the wrong here. Not so much Chris. I know. I think uh, Chris Keller's attitude, though, is off-putting <laughs> because he's just like... Yeah. I'm not saying he's a good person if he did sleep with Haley, by all means. No, <laughs> it's just... But... He just, like, why don't you want to hold uh, Haley accountable? Why do you automatically want to attack Chris here? I you know? I agree that it is kind of unfairly putting it all on Chris. Um, I think just Chris just pisses people off, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> but he doesn't even ask Haley. He doesn't even say, like, hey, like, is anything going on between you and Chris? Yeah. He, he, doesn't, yeah. Even, he, he doesn't even ask her. Like, why doesn't he give her the agency, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they talk later on, and, like, Haley admits. She admits that they're not together. So in that moment, Haley says that we were just fooling around, and Lucas says, like, we used to do. And that was super sad. Yeah. Because we've gotten, like, obviously Haley's been gone, so we haven't gotten much Haley scene, many Haley scenes in this season. But, like, I really do miss the Lucas and Haley stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just miss seeing Haley, like, in scenes with other people. I've, like, seeing her in this episode, like, you know, actually having scenes with, with Lucas and Brooke. It was just, it was fun. It was refreshing. I know. It was It was nice to see, to see Joy's her Joy's absence has definitely been felt these past few episodes. Yeah. Ever since she left in episode 13. Yeah, she's had appearances here and there, but it just hasn't been the same. And I really loved the scene also when Lucas and Haley are laying in in bed I thought that was really cute and intimate like it was just I don't know their friendship is so nice and she honestly tells him that like she feels like she doesn't deserve to wear the ring anymore and that kind of breaks my heart but I mean does she really deserve to wear the ring she did leave regardless of her reasons I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. But, you know, her reasons for leaving are, you know, it's very much like Avril Lavigne. Things are complicated. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but 
Throwing in a 2000s reference there. <laughs> Had to, you know. <laughs> um, in that same scene, though, we notice that Lucas says that he doesn't understand why it has to be one or the other, music or Nathan, and that is something we have been talking about an awful lot. But Lucas obviously has not been listening to uh, the 2002 smash hit album, Let It Go, okay? <laughs> it's not called Let It Go, it's called Let Go. Oh my god, I am so sorry. What are you the talking Avril about? Sta- I was trying to make another Avril Lavigne <laughs> reference oh, and just what? pigeonhole it in, and it just didn't work, and it didn't land. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. I was going to say something, and now I can't remember. <laughs> Because that, like, totally threw me off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wonder, like, how much of this stuff I'm actually going to keep in the episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's really interesting because we have talked a lot about that. And I don't think Haley, she didn't really have an answer to that question. Like, why does it, why can't you have both? Like, why does it have to be one or the other? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like like uh, we keep saying that, like we keep noticing how complicated the whole situation is. Yeah. Because, you know, back in episode 213, Haley wanted to go on tour and then Nathan was like, oh, but if you go, then it's over. So Haley probably could have internalized a lot of that stuff that she was hearing. Granted, we know that Nathan came, came running back and said, like, no, Haley, like, I love you. You can go on this tour because we still love each other. But Haley doesn't know that Nathan came running back. Hmm, it's true. Yeah, there's a lot that's just not, that has not been said and discussed between these two. <laughs> oh, it's really frustrating, actually. Yeah. And this is an interesting conflict because this could not be solved easily by saying, like, having these two talk to each other, because there's a lot of fucking feelings involved, okay? I know, but Haley, she signs the annulment papers and sends them with Lucas to take home, mm-hmm. and that was really heartbreaking. Yeah. And she says she's not coming home? Like, what the heck? Oh, and that scene when the music playing in the background, and Lucas and Haley hugging, super emotional. Chad's face acting during that scene is so gut-wrenching because it looks like he's almost on the brink of tears. Yeah. He says, I will always be here for you, and you will always be my best friends. It's so fucking adorable. Uh, To elaborate on that a little bit more, too, I really like the moment from earlier when Lucas says that he doesn't understand why Haley left, but he will still support her regardless. It just shows that these two have such a strong friendship, and I really miss it. I know, I really miss it too. And I, I like that Lucas has Haley's back. I, I, I do. Because, yeah, that's a tough thing. Like, when you don't agree with what someone's doing, but, like, you still have their back, you still support them. That's, that's what friendship is, really. Yeah. <gasps> I can't breathe with Chris's ego. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there randomly. <laughs> Can we go? <laughs> I love Sophia so much. <laughs> that is one of my favorite Brooke quotes. 
Literally of the show. Like, I crack up every single time I watch that scene. And, like, I'll forget that that's in the episode. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I I think it's, like, funny, like, when she says the word ego. She's like, I can't breathe. Or Chris says ego. Like, she just goes from, like, zero to 60 with her. With the way she says it. It's hilarious. Great delivery. Thank you, Sophia Bush. Thank you so much. (laughs) We love it. (laughs) And then she also says to Chris, here's the deal. Brooke Davis thinks Chris Keller can serve Chris Keller. In other words, you can. And then she gets cut off by Haley. Haley's like, oh, hey, Brooke, what's going on? (laughs) That was before the the gasping, gasping for air. Yes, yeah. Oh, that shit was so good. Yeah, these two definitely are fun to say on screen together. Yeah, they are. Oh, goodness. And, like, this is the Brooke humor like i know we've seen glimpses we've seen bits of it and it just keeps getting better and better honestly Mm. but um i just love these scenes because she's hysterical do you want to talk about some stuff that's not hysterical though yeah i know oh gosh like this is like abruptly switching gears (laughs) (laughs) um zan is trying to get andy deported i don't even know how dan can do that but okay he, I mean, they honestly, they didn't really go into the details, but, like, maybe, like, he, maybe Dan contacted Ice or something. Was Ice even a thin back then? Has Ice always been a thin? I feel like Ice has only been something I've only been recently aware of. I'm not, sh- I'm I'm not sure when that started, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess maybe he just reported Andy, but, like, Andy's a professor. Like, he would have to legally, or he was a professor. He yeah, would have right. had to legally been in the country, so that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, well, they said that Dan didn't actually have power, but they, the thing that made it complicated was that Andy had to physically get out of the States to uh, care for his sick mother. Um, so, like, coming back would make things very complicated. Yeah, if, yeah. So that's really how it happens. Like, so Dan didn't really have any jurisdiction in regards to that, but... I know. Yeah, it's It's so really sad, like... Stupid Dan. <laughs> yeah, like, like, why, like, why the fuck do you care so much? I don't know. I don't know. He needs to, like, get a life. And then, and- so Andy tells Karen about all of this. And then I love this scene when Karen goes down to the dealership and she's like, deported! Deported! <laughs> she says it. And I just know it's coming even before she says it. She's like, I've been ignoring you for 17 years. <laughs> Why did you decide to do this now? Yep. And then that's when Dan tries to make it seem like she's been coming on to him. And it's it's so gross. And I know, like, Dan's a, Dan's a villain. But, like, this is, like, one thing I'm just like, this was not fun to watch. This is not, like, a fun villain moment to watch, you know? Where did this come from? Like, he clearly knew that Karen was not thinking that. Yeah. So, yeah, this this really took his villain status to a whole new level because this was creepy. I kind yeah. of forgot about this scene. I don't... Why did they include this? It, it came out of nowhere. It didn't make sense in the context of it. It was clearly sexual harassment because he knew that Karen wasn't interested in him. Like, what, what was the point of that? Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we know about the people who ran this show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, you know, that's one piece. I mean, maybe they didn't, like, necessarily... They probably didn't see it as sexual harassment. They probably saw it as, like, well, let's just give him a good, like, villain moment. 
So, like, you know, trying to make Karen angry. Yeah, it was just overall really gross, and I kind of want to pretend it just didn't happen, because... Yeah. Ugh. But I, I feel like getting Andy deported is enough to make Karen angry. Like, you didn't have to, like, go and fucking, like, try to kiss her. Yeah, it just was so uncalled for. Yeah, like, if, if I was Karen, I would probably still throw a chair through the window if she if he was trying to deport my boyfriends, you know? <laughs> yeah, and I, I love time, how the... that'll be your face. I know, that was intense. Ugh. Karen has some intense quotes. In this episode. And I love how the window broke twice. <laughs> it's like, it yes. was replaced the next day, and then Dan's throwing it at Andy. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah, because Andy ends up telling Dan, like, hey, you need to diversify your portfolio, because I own the security company that uh, looks after this place. It's like, oh. When Andy said that, I was like, oh, shit. Dan, you got this. I know, that was really clever. And Andy also threatens and says that, like, oh, you know, I have your ledger, you know? And then that's what gets Dan, like, really pissed off. And then at the end of the episode, you say that Andy was just bluffing because the ledger is still very much in Dan's safe. And that nurse and Andy is watching. He says, ooh, so it's in the safe, huh? <laughs> and then he, like, you know, puts his fingers together, like, excellence in a Mr. Burns type way. <laughs> so... I thought they had a ledger. Like, I thought Lucas and Andy had gotten hold of a ledger, or was it just that one piece of, that one bill? It was just the one receipt. They, remember, like, uh, Lucas saw the ledger and then put it back, and then they came back to find it? That's what it was, okay. And then the ledger was gone, and then they were like, oh no, where is the ledger? So that's what it caused Andy to bluff and say, hey, you know, I have your ledger. And then that's what pisses Dan off. Yeah, I don't like this storyline, so I never really completely follow the details of it. <laughs> and I know we'll talk about that more as we get yeah, this, later on. <laughs> so this particular thing, like everything with with Dan being mad at Andy, and then Andy like bluffing, this entire thing, I want to come back to this in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. For the second part of the finale. Um I don't want to spoil anything right now, but I'm just saying, like, put this in your vampire diaries, listeners, because <laughs> there is, there's just something that needs to be said and we, that we can't talk about now. And Caitlin's saying that she doesn't like it. I don't particularly like the storyline either, but we will get into it in the very next episode. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I just had to make that known that I, I'm not a huge fan of this. <laughs> so, like, the details, like, I don't care about the details. Yeah. No, there was, like, uh, there's one part of the recap where, like, Caitlin, like, wrote something. I'm like, I don't think that's what happened here, Caitlin. Yeah. And Caitlin's like, I don't, I don't really know what's happening here. <laughs> so, you can rewrite that part. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Works for me. <laughs> but, yeah. But we'll talk a little bit more about that because even though, like, I'm processing everything that's happening, it's still not good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah, we see Andy spying on Dan, so there's just more more to happen, we'll see. Yep, so we know the ledger is in the safe, and I guess we gotta find out, let's get the ledger out. Excellent, Mr. Burns. <laughs> but, uh, in other news, so let's talk about Nathan going to high flyers. I feel like Nathan is always being manipulated. And it's always by Dan. I thought yep. it was a nice conversation that, that Nathan had with Whitey, and Whitey really wanted him to, like, consider 
doing high flyers over the summer. Nathan said he would think about it, and then he goes and tells Dan, and Dan, actually, this was kind of surprising. I don't really understand his motive here, why he wouldn't want Nathan at high flyers. Yeah. Well, you know, he says that Deb started using pills when he moved out. I know. So he's guilting Nathan, but why? Just to have his finger over him, essentially. Dan's an ass. Yeah, I guess he doesn't have to have a clear reason. With his assy smile and his assy frat boy haircut. <laughs> and his general assiness. <laughs> yeah, I guess he doesn't have to have a reason. But For it, sure. It, it almost seems unlike him. Because you would think he would want Nathan to pursue high flyers. But in the same way, I guess Dan really wants the family to come back together. And he doesn't want Deb to, like, I don't know, go downhill again. Does he actually but care does about he Deb care? going downhill? I see, just like, there's got to be some kind of motive here. After he kissed his ex-girlfriends and his wife's best friends... You completely sexually harassed her. Like, do you actually care about Deb's feelings? And I wonder, is Karen ever going to tell Deb about this whole moment? Because, woo, she should. <laughs> I don't remember, actually. Um, Yeah, that's... Oof. I don't think she ever does, for the record. No, yeah, I don't really remember that. <laughs> Not to spoil it for the listeners, but... <laughs> but still, I feel like this is definitely something Karen should tell Deb about. Yikes. <sighs> but we'll see. Yeah, I, I get that Dan's an ass, but at the same time... I feel like he always does have a, some kind of motive. And I don't really understand what the motive would be in this case. Like, he really, really wants the family back together? Like, he truth, does he really want that? Maybe that is all he really wants to out. He just doesn't have, like, uh, he doesn't have a good uh, moral compass to make it happen. No. But maybe all he wants is a family. And that's what makes him so tragic. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess. But poor Nathan has to get these, like, conflicting perspectives, like, do high flyers, don't do high flyers, and he can't even think about what he wants. It's not really fair. For sure. But I wonder if he will go. Wait till part two. I know, we'll find out in the second part of the two-part season two finale. (laughs) That's a lot of twos in there. Anyhow... I swear I am sober and not on any animals <laughs> for this episode. I'm just tired. <laughs> Are you sure? I promise you. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. So, we get this other kind of, I think, personally, random storyline in this episode with Erica and Mouth. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of cute, but it's just kind of thrown in there and I feel like it... I don't know what really why they even threw it in here. It's just I guess just to show like, hey, they're a couple. I know, it, it, <laughs> Remember that? It just feels random and it feels like we could have gotten additional scenes with other characters and it would have been more interesting. Yeah, you're I, right. Did you watch the deleted scenes? I did watch the deleted scenes. Yeah, there's a little bit extra between uh between Erica and Mouth. Now it's it's kind of weird to like you know to watch deleted scenes because you're wondering was this supposed to be deleted scenes for part one or part two? But I believe this is supposed to be part one. Um, we see a lot of scenes with Erica and Mouth at the beach, and uh, there's this guy who's essentially checking Erica out, and he doesn't have any lines or anything like that. <laughs> and Mouth is just insecure about this guy. I'm gonna pause you there. So on the DVDs, there actually is separate deleted scenes for both episodes. 
There is, but I think they're actually incorrect for like which corresponds to which episode. So I oh, because I only watched what was for. I don't think I saw that, or maybe I did. Oh, I really? don't know. Yeah, it, it, it's. I, I think they're incorrect. Actually, there's a there's a there's another uh, DVD season that does that, where like the deleted scene is like for the raw episode. It's it's really interesting. You know, you just have to be paying attention for shit like yeah, that, and yeah. I do. <laughs> but for this one, I just don't think the scenes were correct. But I feel like there was a lot of like bloated uh, Erica and mouth content here in the deleted scenes. I mean, like, if they kept the deleted scenes in, in addition to, like, all this other stuff going on, I feel like the episode would be very bloated. It's like, what's supposed to be happening between these two? It's like, first, Mouth is, like, really mad because, oh, no, I, I'm going to flunk Math because I'm hanging out with Erica so much. Oh, but I'm also really insecure because there's this guy that Erica isn't even talking to, but for some reason I consider him competition. Like, what? Yeah, that's that's kind of strange. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't see those deleted scenes, but just the actual scenes in the episode, it didn't feel like it was necessary. Like, it didn't really add anything. It was basically, like you said, just showing, like, hey, these two people are a couple. Remember them? (laughs) Like, (laughs) I mean, so Mouth is worried about his exam. And then Erica is basically telling him to relax and just do the best he can. And that mm-hmm. she used to be really, like, uptight about all this stuff. And it wasn't worth it in the end. Which, like, I get she has a point, but I also feel like she's, I don't know. It kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. Like, she's trying to influence Mouth. I mean, he clearly really cares about his schoolwork. Yeah. At the same time, like, she's coming from a place where, like, she always used to be a perfectionist, and she's just trying to say mouth, tell mouth, like, hey, you don't have to be perfect 24-7. Yeah, and I think that that is a good lesson. I just, I don't know. I think these scenes were kind of weak. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was cute to see them at the concert together. Like, they could have showed that briefly. I don't think we really didn't, needed to know any backstory about their maths exam and everything. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> Right. And you clearly didn't need to see any of the deleted scenes either because you didn't watch no, them. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and watch them for, you know, for, before you watch that. Yeah, I will. I will. Or 223 because they're, they're interested. And I'll talk a little bit more about them at a later time. Sure. All right. Were you ready for the next really big storyline in this episode? Nope. That was the end of the episode. <laughs> um, oh, man. Let's just move on to talking about the coda and skip, like, every other bullet that has to do with the things that make me sad. I know. It makes <laughs> me sad, too. It's... Whew. Their chemistry is... We're, talk- we're talking about Jake and Peyton, by the way. Yeah, everyone should know. Everyone should know. <laughs> Their chemistry is so good, you literally feel these emotions with them. I mean, it's just fantastic, the whole goodbye scene. But I know we have to, like, talk about the stuff before the goodbye scene. <laughs> but that's yes. the part that, like, kills me. And here's the part that, like, uh, really makes me dislike flashbacks, because much like in the season one finale, this show, with its flashbacks at this current moment, they really don't know, like, what order they want to tell stories in, because... Like, why do they even have to, why do there have to be flashbacks? Why couldn't they tell this story in chronological order? So what they were doing 
was this concert was a running thread throughout the ep- most of the episode. Basically, the whole episode this was, was the concert. Did they make these flashbacks so that, just, just so they could have cool montages? Is that really what it was? Yeah, because I feel like we were <laughs> never we were never fully in the concert. You know, the concert yeah. was always like you were flashing back to the concert, and Peyton was yeah. crying as the music's playing. You know, you were never actually there. There wasn't a lot of lead up to it. So I guess that was the whole point. Just to have cool montages. Like, that's it. Like, Which is kind of cool. I think the flashbacks. The montages were great. I'm not, I love the montages. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Uh, the, the Jimmy Eat World songs overlaying with some of these scenes. Like, they're, they're fucking great. But it just makes you wonder, like, why did they have to do it this way for? Yeah. I, I still think that these flashbacks are a better are much better than the season one finale, but it still is a little messy. This episode's better than the season one finale, for sure. Oh, I'm not talking about the episode as a whole. Of course, this is way better than the season one finale. But I'm talking about their use of flashbacks. is done better, but it's still not perfect. And I I think you're right. Like, they wanted cool montages, so... But, like, this this one particular, uh, like, montage tonight, it wasn't even a montage, it was just, like, flashback, flash forward, flashback, flash forward. Um, there's one part where we're at Trick for a little bit, and then we're with Peyton and Jake at the jail, and then we're back at Trick again. So it's like, okay, so we're at Trick, then we're with Peyton and Jake at the jail, so that's a flashback, right? Yeah, the jail would be a flashback. And then we are back at Trick, so... We're back in the present day, and then we're at the school with Nathan and Whitey again. So is everything is the trick stuff all supposed to be in the present time? Is that what we're supposed to be believing? Because yeah, I think actually that is the present time. You're right. <laughs> That's after everything else in the episode has happened. Is the concert? You know, like yeah. the jail stuff has happened. The road trips already happened. You know, everything has already happened, and then it's the concert, but it's just, like, it's just adding drama. Like, you get these flashes of, of whatever, past or present, and then Peyton's crying, and then past or present, and then Peyton's crying. <laughs> what, <laughs> well, I don't, you know, it's hard to keep track of everything, but... I think it would have been a little bit more interesting if we saw, like, scenes with the other characters. Like, if we like if we saw Brooke and Lucas interact and more at Trick. Yeah, we saw that moment in Dakota where they just give each other lauded looks, and that's really sad. But like, for example, that scene in the car at the end where Brooke says, it's okay that you're into Peyton. Why could that happen at Trick? I know. For example, you know, like, I, I just feel like there's, I feel like there were better ways I could have done it. I like this episode. <laughs> Don't get yeah. me wrong. But I'm being a little bit hard on the flashbacks. I think, so, the road trip happened and we get cut off from that scene where Brooke says it's okay that you're in the Peyton and then Lucas looks at her and then the scene ends and I think the next or soon after that we see both of them at Trick and they're giving each other a look which yeah. we don't really know exactly what that look means but I'm assuming that is after the road trip so more was clearly I'm sure it's supposed to be after the road yeah, trip, more yeah. was said <laughs> that we don't know yet obviously like, more more had to be said. Oh, during the road trip? That's how you've read it? Well, Lucas wouldn't just look at her and not say anything. Well, I mean, it's, it's fucking Brooke. Like, why wouldn't you look at Brooke like that? <laughs> but you would look at her and not and say a response to that? I do that all the time <laughs> to people I'm romantically here. interested 
and nightclubs. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about a trick. Just... I'm talking about in the car. Oh, and of oh, course, in mean, the nightclub. Yeah. Honestly, it's a fucking teen drama. I just assumed like the conversation just ended there. <laughs> and we'll never know what happened after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, something had to be said. Yeah. You're telling me you've never, like, you know, had somebody that you were, like, really vibing and into, and you just, like, you just stared at them and you had this lauded look? Not really, no. (laughs) 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 Well, clearly you haven't dated Sophia or Chad. (laughs) I'm saying that like I have. I have not. Oh, you're too much. I should say Brooke or Lucas, not Sophia or Chad. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the Jake and Nikki and Peyton nonsense. I love how it starts off hopeful because uh, Jake tells Peyton that, hey, the lawyers found Nikki lying under oath. And that was like, ooh, great. We're getting Nikki. <laughs> yeah, but, but did, did, did Jake forget that he also kidnapped his own kid, though? I know, right? Does it really matter that she lied on her oath at this point? I'm sorry. Yeah, and took her out of state and didn't tell anyone where she was. Yeah, that seems to be a lot worse than her lying. Yes. So I'm like, is the, does this really have weight? I don't know. Yeah, if we really want to get down to it, that doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. Me as, like, me as a kid, like, watching this originally, I'm like, oh, they got Nikki. But me as an adult, I'm like, what? Yeah, it's pretty, yeah you're right. It's pretty weak of a of a reason. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, it started off hopeful that Jake was going to get custody, get out of jail, and they were going to have a new hearing. But, yeah, well, that didn't last long because then Nikki somehow got a hold of Jenny. How she found Uh her and took her is beyond me because I guess Jake had family in Florida. Is that what we're assuming? I believe so, yeah. So then Nikki just, like, came there and Stoller? Like, what the heck? I would, yeah, I want to know the timeline of these events. Like, did did Nikki, like, literally go into the house and literally snatch Jenny up? And if that's the case, then it's a long drive from Florida to North Carolina. Is it that long of a drive? I don't even know. I mean, if you're in the southern part of Florida, yeah. It has to be a few hours. You're going through <laughs> several states, yeah. Yeah, so did, did Jake's family not think, like, oh, we should contact Jake in jail to say, hey, your daughter's kind of gone? <laughs> I know. But once again, here we go. The drama. I remember watching this for the first time and like you see her pull up Jenny from the, I guess from the reveal, the reveal of Jenny. And it's like, (gasps) gasp. The reveal is so fucking good. I like, I, I knew it was coming and I saw gas because, you know, we hear Nikki saying like, do you know how it feels never to see your daughter again? And it looks like, oh, she's just, she's just egging him Mm -hmm. on. And then she's like, you know, next time you want to hide your, my daughter, you might want to try a place other than Florida. And then she whips out Jenny and she's it's like, so, intense. so how does it, how does it feel, Jake, to never see your daughter again? And you're like, oh, she wasn't egging him on. She was just telling him off. And then she walks away with her. It's so good. It's such a good soap opera moment. It really, really is. Oh my gosh. The initial shock of it when I first saw it was, Wow. And then you feel for Jake because he can't do anything. He's behind the glass. Oh, yep. my gosh. Then this leads to the goodbye. And it's really fucking sad. It's really sad, but I, like, I get why Jake doesn't want Peyton to come. Like, it's just a lot to put on someone. 
And this is such a complicated situation. Yeah. This is a lot of baggage to put on Peyton, and I I, I get it. I understand why Jake was telling Peyton, like, hey, no, you deserve better than this. Like, I have my own shit to deal with, and I don't want to drag you down with me. Yep. And I feel like that's really noble of him to do that. Like, he was never pressuring Peyton into anything. Yeah, it was very mature. But regardless, it's just the saddest thing. And that, oh my gosh, when he says to her that he could have held her in his arms forever, it's like, oh my god. Gosh, stop making me cry. You mean the exact quote, <laughs> you know, I could have held you in my arms forever. It still wouldn't have been long enough. And then she whimpers. Oh my gosh, that always gets me. Yes, that is my favorite quote. <laughs> and it's just so, oh, I can't see y'all. Jenna Lenskold, I know you're crying with me during the scene. I'm crying too, jeez. <laughs> You're a latent shipper. You don't cow. <laughs> well, I still feel for the characters. I know. I got it. You can feel two things at yes, once. Yes, I can. It's okay. And I like Jake and I like Peyton. And you know that's what Peyton wants so desperately. It's just too much. And then, oh, the song playing right at the end of their goodbye is the saddest song. One of the saddest songs there is, personally. You mean you mean the coda? Yes. The transition into the coda hear you me by jimmy Eat world yeah which i said that incorrectly i called it may angels lead you in in the last episode at the in the spoiler segment yeah it is called hear you me yes oh i probably didn't catch that yeah i knew what you meant it's, it's all good i was just adding this the other day so i'm just thinking like oh fuck it's not called that i mean that's the repeating line anyway so yeah Oh, isn't this the saddest song in the world? It really is. There's no one in town, I know. I mean, honestly, it's like literally probably in a top five. If I were to pick the saddest songs that I know of, this is in it. It's so emotional. It's my favorite musical moment. Is it yours? Okay, cool. I have to say, (laughs) while we're talking about the music, like the Jimmy Eat World scenes I mean, this is like my favorite. Maybe it might be my favorite musical guest of the show. I really, I just love that they played so many songs in this episode, and they were all so powerful. It's fantastic. It, it's in a top okay. three of favorite musical guests because we get we get a oh, lot through the years. But this is definitely one of my favorites, if not my favorite. Just to get into like the nitty gritty details, um, Jimmy Eat World would would trick be a tour stop or. Would they be a musical, or would they just be like a regular like indie band who's coming into Tree Hill at that point in time? That's a good point. I mean, Jimmy Eat World at this point, <laughs> I think, was pretty well established. Yeah. So I, I feel like One Tree Hill is just trying to downplay them a little bit because that's I'm like it wouldn't be a uh, it wouldn't be a tour stop in in the world of One Tree Hill. It would not be a tour yeah stop. yeah in the real world. It would have been. <laughs> They, yeah, they were already well established at this point. Like, they had yeah. several albums, I believe. Uh, you would have to fact check me. Um, so it's kind of interesting that they were even on One Tree Hill. Because a lot of the guests that One Tree Hill have in the future, not all, because I can think of some bigger names. But a lot of them are, like, more indie, just starting out type type bands, which this was not the case with this one. 
Yeah, well, this was, like, when One Tree Hill was really starting to hit its peak. Like, it had a bigger music budget. You know, the show was really starting to, like, hit its stride. I mean, come on, they had a fucking tour a few months before this episode aired, you know? So they were doing very well for themselves. So they treated themselves like, yeah. you know what, let's get a big name like Jimmy World to come into our world. <laughs> and, yes. And thank goodness they did. Because we get this beautiful, beautiful coda. So it starts off at Trick, where Jimmy Eat World begins performing. And Brooke looks over at Lucas. Then we get a flashback. We're in the car with Lucas and Brooke, where Brooke confesses that she found the stuff in Lucas's closet. And then she says, like, it's okay that you're into Peyton. I've been avoiding it all trip. And it's fine. And scene ends. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. All right, and then we go to the front of Karen's house, where Andy says goodbye to Karen, and they embrace. He then gives Karen an envelope that he asked her to give to Lucas. What's in that envelope? I don't know. We'll have to wait till part two. They say they love each other, but Andy believes it's not enough. That was, like, <laughs> so emotional, too. That was, like, just as emotional as the, the Jayton goodbye. Yeah. Because... They admit that they love each other, and then what Andy says is, like, it just somehow doesn't seem like enough. And it's true. Yeah, because we didn't really talk about this in the discussion itself, but Andy actually asked Karen to come with him, and she said no. Yeah. I understand why she She said no. That's a big ask. She has two businesses in Tree Hill, a son who's in high school. Like, I don't think it's realistic for her to go to New Zealand. (laughs) I get it, so yeah. It, it's sad, but, like, I I get it, <laughs> you know? Exactly. But, I mean, Andy says it perfectly, like, they love each other, but it's just not enough. The circumstances are kind of just, a lot of the circumstances are beyond their control, so. For sure. It is what it is. And then we are back at Trick. Brooke, in a voiceover, says, George Bernard Shaw once wrote, there are two tragedies in life. One is to lose your heart's desire, the other is to gain it. Clearly, Shaw had his heart broken once or twice. That was sweet. I love how Sophia's voice like, kind of breaks in that moment. Like, just that reflection. So good. And then we are at the gym. D- did this happen? Is this happening at the same time as Trick? Or no? It has to be a flashback because Lucas is here, right? Yeah, that. So those gym scenes, I don't really know where they are fit in the timeline here. Actually, <laughs> sorry, but what's real? Your flash, like you can't even get like chronological events straight. Okay, you you should not do flashbacks either. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you can't even tell events in chronological order correctly, come on. Anyhow, Lucas says he was visiting a friend's. And then that's Nathan asks, anyone I know? And Lucas responds as, Lucas responds as, <laughs> Lucas responds as, I'm going to keep that <laughs> in. He responds, not really. And then Lucas tells Nathan that he's bleeding. But Nathan says he feels no pain as he shoots a basket. And then we get Nathan's voiceover, which is running over the gym scene, trick, and then when Nathan's in his apartment. As far as I'm concerned, Shaw was a punk, because you know what? Tragedies happen. What are you going to do? Give up? Quit? No. I realize now that when your heart breaks, you got to fight like hell to make sure that you're still alive because you are. And that pain you feel, it's life. The confusion and fear, 
That's there to remind you that somewhere out there is something better. And that something is worth fighting for. That's an honorable mention for me for a quote, because I think that's so well said. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. I actually read this quote to my therapist the other night. Oh, did you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's amazing. I was just telling her, like, this quote is just so impactful, and I think it's great. You know, you just can't give up. And I don't know, it just really resonated with me in that moment, so. Yeah, that that's awesome. I think this quote's applicable, like, to anyone, really. And yeah, I like to see that Nathan's perspective is changing. Because I don't think he would have said this at the beginning of the season, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... That, like, to me, is hopeful. He's not giving up, even though, like, his heart is fucking broken. He's willing to, like, be strong and try to move forward. That's really empowering. And I don't think I've ever really, like, saw it this way before. I feel like when I was younger, I was, like, so caught up in the whole Haley and Nathan, like, breaking up then. And I was just, like, so sad and so mad about it. But at the end of the day, this is kind of empowering to see Nathan go on this journey and realize that he doesn't need Haley right now. It is empowering. He just needs himself. Because he really has been on a journey. And ups and downs. Uh And I feel like he's landing on the other side of it, like, with some hope, finally. And a new realization that he didn't have before. And I think this is really good for to see this be represented by a teenage boy as well. Because I feel like, like, there's stories like this with, like, with young women all the time, where, like, the young woman, like, you know, is, gets her heart broken and then she has to move forward. But it's kind of nice to see, you know, a guy get his heart broken and not be a victim of toxic masculinity and not feel like he needs to cover it up or anything like that. It's like, hey, my heart is broken, but you know what? I am moving forward right now. And that's really awesome to say. I didn't think of that before, but you're really right. That's true. You don't see that from a male perspective ever. Yeah, because I feel like young men are always taught to be like, you're always taught to be hard and to be like, uh, to be tough. That you're not really allowed to like feel like these emotions. And here's Nathan, like feeling all these emotions and it's okay. Yeah. he And it's showing like the reality of it, the difficulty of it, the messiness of it. You know, they didn't really shy away from that. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I really had never thought of it like that before. But true, this is some representation that we haven't seen, I think. Exactly. Okay, but on the other end of the Naley breakup situation, we are back at Haley's hotel. Haley prepares to play golf with, like, you know, a little cup that she, like, pulls out, and somehow she has a golf club in her hotel room. I don't know how that <laughs> yeah. came about. Did she pack it with her? I don't really know. <gasps> but that doesn't matter. <laughs> and we hear her voiceover. She says, This year I got everything I wanted and everything I wished for. But in a way, I lost even more. And then that's when her manager enters to show her the tour posters as he kicks away the club Haley was about to aim for. I thought that was so rude. It was so rude, but it was also, like, very symbolic and very powerful. <laughs> because it's like, he was, like, kicking away her childhood. And now Haley's realized, I'm like, oh, that's just some dumb kid stuff. And she has to, like, grow up because this is the life that she chose, which, ugh. I kind of feel both ways about it. It's, like, kind of, like, demonizing Haley for trying to go on tour, but, but also it's trying to show, like, this is a choice she made and she needs to, like, quote-unquote, live with it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a lot. Haley's response here 
to the quote. I think this, yeah, really relates to the fact that she gained a lot this year, but she also lost a lot, which in a way would make that tragic. Yeah. All right. So now we are at the roof of Karen's cafe and we hear Lucas's voiceover. Shaw was right. As we strain to grasp the things we desire, the things we think will make our lives better, money, popularity, fame, we ignore what truly matters. The simple things like friendship, family, love. The things we probably already had. Lucas looks up at the sky. Beautiful, beautiful shot. Of course, Lucas would have like the most, I don't know. Um, it's the most like formal response to <laughs> the quote. <laughs> he's a writer, you know, he's, he's very fancy with his words. What is he looking up at though? Is he waiting for it to rain? I don't know. Like, are they in a drought right now? Is Hillary Duff going to come up and give him a kiss? He's just pondering everything. Yeah. Which, you know, this, I'm just saying it would be very appropriate if Hillary Duff did come in because the song also plays during that same scene in a Cinderella story. Thank you very much. Hear you, me? Yeah. I haven't seen a Cinderella story in forever, so. Oh, God. The scene, Caitlin. The yeah, scene. See, Everybody I haven't seen. This scene. is not a movie that I watched a million times. And I haven't seen it in a long time. So, yeah, I wouldn't I would have known it's the music like, at all. It's been a decade since I've seen it, but I still remember <laughs> See, you scene. remember this stuff. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I have, like, such a shitty memory with, like, things that happened yesterday, but things that happened, like, oh, my God, like, this movie that I saw from the 2000s. I'm like, yeah, so great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I had no idea that song played. Cool. Oh, yeah, well, it does. We'll be discussing that soon on our Baker Soundstage. Oh, will we? We will. <laughs> oh my Don't God. you remember? <laughs> Is your memory that bad? No, did we announce that? Have we formally announced that? I don't think we did. I thought we mentioned that we were going to do that in another episode. I thought we did oh, that in like... Okay. No? I don't think so. Anyway, well, now you know, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we said something. Coming up this summer, patreon.com <laughs> slash alwaysothpod. You will hear us talk about a Cinderella story in a special exclusive episode for our $10 patrons. Jerry, we talk a lot. Sometimes it's recorded, sometimes it's not, and it's all blurred together. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst thing about having a podcast with a friend. It's like, did I tell you this in real life or did I tell you this on a podcast? I don't know. I, anyway. I never remember, really. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to Trick. We see Erica and Mouth kiss as Mouth narrates. So Mr. Shaw thinks that getting your heart's desire is a tragedy? I say he's wrong. I mean, clearly Shaw never kissed Erica Marsh. And they kiss. That was a cute little scene with Erica and Mouth. It was adorable. You know, Lee Norris gets to kiss Catherine Bayless. Mm -hmm. From the hit 2002 film from Justin McKelly. Oh, gosh. How many times are you going to bring up this movie? Every time Catherine Bayless is on screen, okay? You just got to bring it up. <laughs> and finally, we're outside Trick. Peyton stands on the Trick steps as Jake looks at her from, her from his motorcycle. We see Peyton cry as her voiceover narrates, Yes, losing your heart's desire is tragic. But gaining your heart's desire? That's all you can hope for. This year, I wished for love. To immerse myself in someone else and to wake a heart long afraid to feel. My wish was granted. 
And if having that is tragic, then give me tragedy because I wouldn't give it back for the world. Oh my gosh, what a way to end the episode. Jeez. Uh, and more Hillary Burton crying. Oh my goodness. I know. That poor girl, what she was put through in this episode, the emotional crying scenes. <laughs> Peyton always gets the short end of the stick, and Wilfred's get better in the next episode. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> or at least I have. At least I haven't seen it in years. Well, that's a lie. Months, because I watched the entire season. Anyway. <laughs> Let's talk about our top favorite moments from part one. Uh, I already said my favorite quote. It was Jake, when he said to Peyton at the end. There are so many good quotes. Like, how can you really choose? I went the funny route, and I already shared mine, was what Brooke said to Chris <laughs> Keller, just because it makes me die with laughter every single time. But yes, honorable mentions would be the Jake quote. Um, the Andy quote, I love what Nathan says in the voiceover. Like, there's just so much good stuff, honestly. So good. Musical moment. Here you may, Jimmy World. Duh. Yeah, absolutely duh. <laughs> it's a fantastic montage. Yes, it is. Even if they're a little bit out of sorts with the chronology. Uh, which is why I give this episode four out of five flashbacks. Everything was great. The flashbacks were just all over the place, I felt like, and it just made the episode a little bit weak for me. Huh. Wow. I give it five <laughs> out of five road trips to visit your best friend. Oh, damn. I love this. I love this, and I love the second part, and I think it is one of the strongest finales of the whole series, personally. Like, the two together. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so hard to, like, think of these as two separate episodes. I know. But they are. Like, I, I even hate that Hulu even separates them into two separate episodes. I'm like, no, real ones will know this is one episode. <laughs> yeah, you just wonder why... Yeah, why don't they just call it episode 22? I don't... Why do they make it two... Ep- I don't understand that part. Well, for for syndication, they had to do it because of, like, you know, if they could only air, like, one hour a day. It makes sense for syndication, but, like, come on, for, like, Hulu and streaming services, like, you could make it into one episode. Just make it easy for yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I am so, so fucking excited to talk about part two! I know, this was a tease. I want to talk about the rest. (laughs) Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya.
Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, one thing that really stuck out to me is that Hilly is very much in New York on tour in this episode. And then in season three, when she goes to the Sparkle Classic, she acts like she's going to New York for the first time. So, I never made that connection before, but that's hilarious. (laughs) They're literally driving across the bridge, and Haley's like, wow, it's like the movies! (laughs) (laughs) How did they... How did they forget that? It's like, girl, you've been here before! (laughs) How did they forget that? That was only, like, half a season later. (laughs) You know? That was, like, mid-season. Right? (laughs) Yeah. It's moments like that where I'm like... Like, did Bethany Joy Lenz even realize the lines that she was reading? But then again, I, like, I wonder, like, uh, in this episode, were they actually in New York filming? I don't think they were. Oh, in episode 222? No, there's yeah. no way. I think the <laughs> windows in the hotel were just, like, background stuff that they put yeah, in. Yeah, for sure. And they didn't actually show the streets of New York or anything. It was literally just them in a car. And then right. they were in a hotel. So I so I can I can I can be nicer to Joy then for for not knowing. Yeah, <laughs> she probably just forgot. Like, oh yeah, I was in New York on tour. That's really funny. <laughs> so I just thought that was funny, and so I mentioned in the deleted scenes that there was like the surfer guy that Math was all insecure about, even though. Erica never expressed interest in this guy or whatever. But then we find out in season three that Erica actually leaves Mouth for a surfer guy. Oh. So they kind of use the content from these deleted scenes and use it in season three. Huh. We do get the surfer guy thing? Huh. Yeah. I don't remember that. I Obviously, I know that I think season three starts and I don't know what episode it's in, but it's like the beginning of it. And like, it's just we don't get to see... Um, Erica anymore. It's just Mouth yeah. explains that they broke up. I thought it was because she just wanted to be like a popular girl or something. Yeah, he does say that she became yeah, popular. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there also is a line that he says like in passing where he's like, oh, and some surfer guy will come in and like steal your girl or whatever. I, I forget exactly what he says, but I do have a memory of him saying that. But this is the last time we ever got to see Erica Marsh, and that's why I had to include a little reference to From Justin to Kelly. <laughs> yeah, that was the final one. <laughs> that's really the last time I could bring this up. Who knows? I may be able to find other opportunities to bring it up. I don't know. I don't get how they. this happens before, like in other shows, too. Like, they leave you... One season ends with the couple's happy, and then the next season, like, it's just explained away that they broke up or whatever. That's kind of yeah. dumb, but I guess there was no room for her in the show. Yeah. A combination of, like, maybe that just wasn't the direction they wanted Math to go in. Maybe Erica Marsh didn't take off as a character. Maybe Catherine Bayless was busy. Who knows? I think it would be cool to see a little bit more of Erica. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like if Erica was in the picture, we wouldn't get Rachel. Or we wouldn't get Rachel scenes with Math, I should say. We probably still would have gotten Rachel. Yeah, true. I was just trying to think. I was like, yeah, that's the next girl that Math is, like, paired with. Because there's yeah. a few um, in the high school years. We get Elizabeth Arnois. Oh, we get Gigi. Who, who is Elizabeth Arnois? Uh, Shelly. Shelly, that's Shelly, okay. Okay, yes, of course, Shelly, and then Gigi, I remember too. 
I only like to say Elizabeth Arnois because they've been they've been talking about her quite a bit on Drama Queens recently, and the name is just rolls off the tongue. Elizabeth Arnois. Yeah, and they said that name, and I was like, I kept meaning to look up who that was because it just the name didn't ring a bell. Yeah, that's her. But yeah, lots of good stuff coming our way, and we're gonna go into the next episode, and we'll be ending season two, and you can say that we'll be uh, doing our leavers dance <laughs> out of season two and into season three. <laughs> Guess what? That is the episode title. Of... <laughs> That's right. I forgot to even say that. Yes. <laughs> the title of season two, episode 23, the final episode of the two part finale. I, I don't know words, Caitlin, <laughs> but you get what I mean. <laughs> and, for this episode in our OTH DVD box sets, it has the same description for episode 222 and 223, which reads as follows. The school year is ending, and so are relationships that once seemed so right. Lucas can claim at least one triumph, the evidence of fraud that will destroy Dan. Or is Dan yet again a step ahead of everyone else? Be seeing we'll be ya. be seeing ya. Better. Better. We're doing good. That was better. 